Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. We're going to dive in again. We're in week two of a series. We're on the miracles of Jesus. And I want to tell you what we're doing a little bit this year. I want to have this uh, in everybody's mind and heart. We, we take a lot of the content, a lot of our study around these things, and we break it down and we build particular messages around particular truths. So that's what we do here at Community of Hope. We do a team teaching model and we do, uh, we do a series model. So really what's important for you to really get everything that we're trying to say and what we want to communicate to you, we want to just tell you, come through the series. Don't give up. Don't stop coming. We're going to unpack some content that I think is going to be life-changing in our lives. We're all kind of pressing in. It's a new year. This is some great stuff that we're looking at. And we're looking at the miracles of Jesus. But what we're going to do in this series, we're going to move the conversation out past just the miracles. And we're going to talk about faith and God's power in general. General. Because a lot of us have some questions. How many of you ever had a question before about how God works in the world, right? Come on, get your hands up. Four of us. Awesome. Okay, so a lot of us have some questions about that. And that's the kind of stuff that we're going to look at uh, in this series. We're going we're gonna to go right at this topic. We're going to push it some hard things and see what doesn't move. And so I want to encourage you to be here. You're not going to want to miss out on this. I'm really excited. I haven't been this excited about a series in in quite a while. So we began the series last week, and we looked not at the first miracle that Jesus ever performed, but actually what we did is we looked at the place in Scripture where he was unable to do some miracles. And uh, we looked at the story of where Jesus comes into his hometown And as a result of some things that we uh, unearthed in the passage of Scripture, we realized why Jesus was unable to do certain things, and we read one of the saddest stories, saddest verses in all of Scripture. It's right here. It's this verse, Matthew 13, 58. He did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And one of the things we uh, unearthed in that passage of Scripture is that sometimes we look at that and we think it has to do all, all that is required in miracles and God's power working in our lives, it's the measure just of faith we have. And so it's the resident, uh, residential percentage of faith that we have in our heart. And here's the tension with that. Other scriptures don't support that idea. It was Jesus himself who said, if you have faith the, the size of a mustard seed, you can look to a mountain and say, be removed into the sea. So we learned we learned actually that this had a different meaning. And when Jesus uh, observed this, uh, said this, when Matthew observed this, he was talking about the idea that people just sort of quit showing up. And Jesus wasn't able to do all that he wanted to do because people quit showing up. So part of the underlying tension of that verse is don't quit showing up. Don't quit inviting God in. So last week, uh, I, I sat down what I, what I called, uh, I'm going to call, I called it the preamble, I believe. And there's a preamble to this series, and I'm going to push on it every now and again. And I said, I want everybody who's listening, whether you're online listening or whether you're in this room listening, here's what I said. Let's step back, number one, from our unfamiliarity about Jesus. A lot of us are unfamiliar with who he is. And here's what I'm saying. What if in 2019... We all said, I'm going to get to know Jesus better. 
What if we all just sort of drove a stake in the ground and said, this year, this is my year. God, it's you and me this year. I'm going to get to know you better. There's just so much unfamiliarity. We don't really know who Jesus is. Now, I want to tell you, this is the mission of our church. I say it every time. The mission of our church is to take people who, are, who have become in some way or some reason, there's always a narrative, disinterested. And, and the mission of our church is to help you get reinterested again and to grow. So we're going to step back from unfamiliarity. And then we said this, what if, you, what if this year we step back from over-familiarity? This idea that you got it all figured out. You, 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 you've heard it. You, you've been to the dance. You've, you have the t-shirts all in your drawer. You got it all figured out. Because here's what I want to tell you. About the time you put God in a box is about the time he's going to break out of the box. He can't be put in a box. You haven't got it all figured out. I, I was thinking about this. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, we, did, we did a lot of fishing when I was growing up, middle of three sons. And I remember one, one summer we were doing all this fishing. My dad uh, said, you know, guys, I'm, I'm tired of taking you guys to always get bait. He said, he went and bought us this big seine net. You know what a seine net is? And you can, uh, you can capture, he said, you guys, I'm going to take, you know, you can capture the bait that we're going to use. So, so he gave that uh, as a challenge to us. He bought us this big net. We were doing all this fishing and we'd come home and clean it off and we'd lay it out in our big backyard with a, we had a picnic table. We'd lay it out there. And one day my older brother and I thought this would be a great idea. That's always how things begin, right? It's a great idea. And uh, we got on the roof, and uh, we took, we had this, I don't know what it was, we took this cardboard paper, this paper, and we went up on the roof. I'm just going to tell you, this was not completely all my idea, (laughs) but we went on the roof, and we made paper airplanes, and we were lighting them on fire, throwing them off of the roof. (laughs) Okay? Yeah, brilliant. I'm brilliant. And so uh, we were throwing stuff off the roof. And the last time before we did it, we had a neighbor that came out. He called out to us. He said, your dad's not going to like that. And we were thinking, he'll never know. (laughs) Famous last words. And I made one, and my brother said, we should get off the roof. I said, one more. That's always when it happens, right? (laughs) One more. And I made one more plane. I threw it. It caught the wind it sailed, it's on fire, it nosedives into the same net. <laughs> I just burns up, just like we're watching this thing go down. I looked at my neighbor, my neighbor does this. <laughs> you know, just walks away. And as the Lord is my witness, I'll never know whether my neighbor called my dad or what, but my dad gets home, and this is how my dad would play the game. We're having dinner, and my dad said, you know what, boys, I thought after dinner, Don't get ahead of me, all right? He said, I thought we would go into the garage where we had stuffed this thing, and I thought we'd clean the garage up just a bit. It took him a hot two seconds to find that, saying that. And my dad said something to me I will never forget. He said some things I'm still trying to forget, but he said this to me. He said, sometimes, Dale, you know what? You have enough sense to be dangerous. Never forgotten that. And, and here's what I want to tell everybody in the room. Some of us are here right now. And if I were to be honest with you about your faith, your journey, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, but you've got enough sense to be dangerous. This, this gospel, Paul said, that has been given to us in earthen jars. 
This gospel that Jesus said was like the pearl of great price is the greatest thing in the world. It is the thing that will tether our life together because here's what I would tell you about life. You haven't learned this yet. You will learn this. It is not fair. It is not equal. There will be some of the journeys and some of the pressures and some of the tensions and some of the tragedies of life that will pull us. And you need what we're talking about. And so one of the narratives that we're going to talk about in this series is I want to ask you to step back from unfamiliar. I want to ask you to step back from over-familiarity. That's a, that's a narrative. Here's another narrative we're going to look at in the series, and it's this. is what happens when we're actually believing God for big things that don't happen. What happens when we look at some of the things that have happened in our lives or in the lives of other people, and they just look dark, and they look really broken? Where is God in that? And we're going to go right at that. I, I have to say that I've never been able to fully understand and wrap my heart around why it is that suffering and tragedy sometimes brings people to faith and brings and bounces other people out of faith. You ever notice that? I, I have sat uh, with people in the in the darkest, clearly the darkest moments of their life, and there's there's something that almost like the floor drops, the windows open, and a depth of soul and character and faith just begins to form and grow up. Just like where the scripture says he'll make beauty, he'll bring beauty out of ashes. And then I witness other people that when they experience some of the hardships of life, they bounce right out. I'll never understand that. I, I see. I just see all that happen. I, I, I was thinking about a, a man that went through a terrible tragedy in a church, one of the first churches uh, I served. And as a young pastor, I, I, I have to be honest with you. I, you know, I'm trying to get my feet under me, and I, I just felt like I didn't really know what to say. And I learned in that moment. Oftentimes, people don't really want you to say anything. They just want you to be there. And I just kept showing up, and I felt like I would drive off all the time. And just think, God, I just wish I had a better word for what this brother's facing. And the Lord said, you just keep going. You just keep being there. And I've learned through that experience that, that, that some of what was going on in there didn't happen for this reason, but God was even growing me right in that experience. I was reading, though, recently, uh, Ellie Weisel, maybe you remember him. He was author, playwright, uh, Nobel laureate. He was a Holocaust survivor. And he wrote about his experiences in Buchenwald and in Auschwitz. And he says, never shall I forget those moments that, that murdered my God, murdered my soul, and turned all of my dreams to dust. Here's what we know about life. There is a mystery to life. There is a mystery to faith that we'll never fully understand on this side of eternity. There is, there is something there that we're never fully going to understand. And what I'm challenging you to do in this series is we're not going to, we don't tend to ignore some of the hardships. We don't tend to ignore some of those things. We want to go right at them because there's a word for us here. There's a fresh word for us. Maybe that's why C.S. Lewis observed this. He said, miracles 
in fact, are retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some to see. He's inviting us in. And, and what I want to say to us in this moment is, is some of us are here and our faith is still adolescent, but our struggles and our difficulties are adult-sized. And what I want to do in this series, I, I told Pastor Trevor, what I really want to bring to our people is I want to teach us how to grow bigger faith to deal with the struggles that we experience in life. Amen to that. All right, so what I want to do now this afternoon or this morning is I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. Let's go to Jesus' first miracle. Want to? Let's do some work on this. It happens in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is Jesus' first miracle. Here's how John the Apostle records what he experienced. He says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. This is John saying uh, he was there too. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said uh, to him, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much drink. But you've saved the best wine till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. Let's pray real quick. Lord, would you use this uh, story to help every one of us, oh God, capture a better sense and a capture a better understanding of what you're saying to us just now and how we can step in toward you and see our faith grow. This we pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. Now here's what I think is interesting. Some say that this was Jesus' smallest miracle uh, because uh, there's no great calamity in some ways here. He only turns uh, water to wine. And uh, I think it's kind of an interesting thing uh, to think about. In fact, uh, somebody sent Trevor and I this uh, meme this week, and they said, are, are, are you going to preach on the miracle of Jesus turning water to wine? How many of you all know who comedian Jim Gaffigan is? He said uh, in one of his, uh, of his uh, stand-up routines, he said, I've always wondered, uh, he said, how Jesus was able to tell the disciples and convince them to leave absolutely everything and follow him. You ever wondered that? And he said, I wonder just so he, like he circled everybody up and he said, I want you to follow me. And by the way, I can turn water into wine. You know? 
It kind of, it, it's sort of interesting. But what I want to do this morning is I want to, um, I want to lift up three of the characters in the story, and I want us to learn from each of them. Now, here's what I want to ask you to write down if you're taking notes. Last week, I wrote, I gave you a, what I'm calling a preamble. And the preamble is this. If we're going to grow in our faith in this series, here's what we're going to have to do. Got to step back from unfamiliarity. Got to step back from over-familiarity. So that's the preamble. If you're taking notes today, I would ask you to write down what I want to unearth for you today is a bit of what I would call the process. And when you study the miracles in the New Testament, you study Jesus' miracles, and frankly, a lot of times the miracles in the whole Bible, you begin to see over and over again there is a process and a pattern to what is happening. It's not, it's not prescriptive in the sense that this happens every single time, but there is something that happens, and I want to I wanna draw your attention to it. And today what we're going to do is lay down a little bit of the pattern. And first of all, we talk about Jesus in this deal. And this is in, in, in so many ways, I think, so instructive for us is again, because this is not some incredible thing that's really happening here. This is not Moses in the Red Sea. It's not Joshua in the walls of Jericho. It's not Esther saving Jews from genocide. It's Jesus literally saving the groom's family from social disgrace by running out of wine. But I think there's something there for us. And the idea behind this that I want to draw your attention to a little bit is simply this, that Jesus does not necessarily in this space do miracles on the merit of the request, but out of his compassion and out of his love for people. It's always been about people. And, and, and it's interesting to me that the first sign, and you may want to write this down, that what happens, in, and John records this a little bit later in the story, this was the first time, watch this, he revealed his glory. Over and over again, what God wants to do in your life is, is reveal to you and reveal to others as a result of you, watch this, his glory. In fact, Paul would say it this way one time when he was writing and he was talking about some of the dreadful, dark, difficult circumstances from which he had emerged and other people had emerged. And uh, it, it's almost in the context he is being asked about how he, can, how he can get along with it, how he's able to still go on when there's such trial and such difficulty going on. And he just makes this statement, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, so what I want us to understand in this room is that God, in every human life, in every human context, in every human situation, in every human circumstance, God wants to reveal to you and to those around you his glory. That's something we should notice. Pastor Dale, even, even in the dark places of my life, especially in the dark places of your life, and I think this story is prescriptive in this sense because I find it very interesting. This is the first time and the first way that Jesus wants to reveal his power. And it's reminding us, even in this simple little miracle story, that God's basic nature is good. It's always been good. It always will be 
good. Now, now, moment, just pause. We have to work the tensions of that. Because our life will come at us in a way that will tempt us to believe lesser things. I was reading this week in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, there's a story where you know God's, God's emerging people, people of Israel kind of going through all this stuff. And there's this moment where you know they're in a moment of hardship. And, and, and the word, the, the author of Scripture just says this as a question. Will not the Lord of all good do right? He is at work. He's still at work. He is always at work. And we need to remember that. And so what I find interesting, first of all, is that uh, Jesus was open to this idea to reveal his power. I, I think I shared with you all last week, and I hope maybe everybody should read these this year. If you have kids, you should read them to your kids. You should read them as an adult. Uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. And there's this wonderful moment where Lucy is uh, running into the Christ figure, the lion, and and sh- and she makes this comment about him. She said, "Oh, there's Aslan, and he's safe. I'm with Aslan, Aslan, and he's sa- he's sa- and I'm safe uh, because he's safe." And and the response is this: No, he's not safe, but he's good. Just the idea that he's powerful. Okay. So the second p- uh, person that I want to mention, or the character that I want to mention, of course, is 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 the is the character of Mary. And you'll notice what happens in the story here. Mary in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This I just love this. Uh, it says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Mother, why do you involve, uh, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. You know what I love about this? She doesn't even make the request. She just offers it as a statement. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody notice that? And I, I just love that, like, hey, the wine's out. Can you do a little something for the team here? You know, kind of a thing. And, and I imagine, it's sort of interesting, I imagine that that's more than just sort of a grammatical thing in the story. I think John is trying to communicate a message that there was such a, an understanding uh, of what was developing. Mary was coming to understand exactly who Jesus was, and she just kept stepping in. She just believed. She just kept responding. And I think that's what God is asking us to do, to just respond, to just step in. I, I was thinking about this idea. Uh, I want to show you a picture and ask if you know who this is. Anybody know who that is? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's Henry Ford. And uh, Henry Ford was the one who created uh, uh, the automobile. And I want to show you a picture. This is the Model T, which came before the Model A, if I got the story right. And uh, from 1907 is when he created 1907, 08 to 1927. Uh, 15 million people bought one of those things. 15 million people. But prior to that, when it was just an idea, nobody wanted one. They didn't think the idea would work. And now, when you leave here, chances are you are not going to get on your horse. (laughs) You're going to get in your car. And we're all going to meet up at 441 and State Road 7. (laughs) 
right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nobody wanted it. But now it's kind of commonplace. And what I'm trying to communicate to you is if you knew what Mary knew, you would step into your faith. You would not step back. Mary had reached a place where she, she didn't even just ask. She was just, it was just an observation. Can you imagine being so close with the Lord? It's just an observation all the time. I have one pastor that speaks into my life said this. You know what? If, if your prayers to God aren't intimidating to you, they're most likely insulting to God. So I can tell you what P. Diddy's doing this year. I'm asking boldly. And I'm going to ask even in a way that would just feel like an observation. Hey, Lord, there's this. Hey, God, remember her, there's that. Lord, this. Hey, here. Stepping in. So there's Jesus and His willingness. There's Mary teaching us part of the pattern of, I believe, what it is to to notice and to be aware. But before I close, I want to talk to you just quickly about the servants. They're the other main characters. And I want you to notice this. It happens in verse 5 through 8. Watch this very closely. Now his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. You notice that there? Do whatever he tells you. So nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. John is surmising here. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Watch this. I love this verse. So they filled them to the brim. I don't know whether that means they were thinking he was going to make wine, so they're like, tap it out, guys. <laughs> or, or, or whether, I don't know, it's descriptor of their faith. God's about to do something. I can feel it in the air. I'm just going to show up. Then verse 8. Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And then the ending of the verse. They did so. Whenever I read of the miracles of Jesus, I always think about this. Where does the miracle happen? Where does it happen? You ever wondered that? I mean, Somewhere, water turned into wine. You ever wonder when it happened? I said at 9 o'clock, did it happen when the servants took the water, the, 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 the jars to the spigot? And then I thought, wait, there wasn't a spigot. So, like, is that when it happened? Is it, is it happened when, did, did it happen when they brought it back and Jesus saw it? Did it happen when um, the master put the ladle to the water? Did it happen when he brought the ladle to his lips? When did the miracle happen? We'll never know. But I can tell you this with great certainty. The miracle happened somewhere in the process of their obedience. That's where it happened. It's the only thing we can say. We're going to look at some other miracles. We're not going to be able to figure out where the miracle actually happened, but we can all say this with great certainty. And here's the pattern. It's not prescriptive that it happens every time, but part of the pattern is simply this. 
you come with your obedience and you run right for him, he will meet you where you need him to meet you. So the preamble and the pattern clears the way for us to learn. Billy? Billy?